Hi, hey, I want to do the hi, did I move away? What are you doing? Uh -oh. Hi. <laughs> okay, hi, we are here today with Felix, and we're going to be talking about, what are we talking about? Can you tell them? Talking about natural indigo dye. <laughs> so cute, like a baby when you said that. Okay, so um, can you give us a little bit of background of how it came to be that you moved to Japan? Okay, so I was a medical student in Thomasic Body. I was studying uh, design and merchandising. Uh, at that point in time, I was still young, wanted to be a fashion designer, aspiring one. And then after that, I graduated and then I joined DNS, did my two years national service. And I felt like it was a time where I had like this creative block that I can only do things that I was told to do. And I was having a lot of frustration, uh, not being able to pursue my fashion designer dream. And then uh, it was also when I felt I was at my lowest and uh, I was reading like this magazine called The Kinfolk, where I saw a chance upon this picture of a lady holding up like an indigo dyed product. And I kept that at the back of my head because I think it was very nice. Uh, one point in time, I went to Germany for my trip and that was also when I saw the night sky. It blew my mind. Uh, it lifted like uh, a lot of frustration uh, off my shoulders, uh, off me. And then I, uh, yeah, I create I created this link between like natural indigo dye and the night sky that I've seen. So when I thought that at my lowest again. Uh, in any point in my life, uh, I will want to be able to recreate the next guy I saw, where I saw when I was in Germany. And then I started uh, learning Japanese because I wanted to go come to Japan and do Indigo Dai. And that was also when I was in SQ, uh, the cabin crew for three years. Then I left and I finally came to Japan. Okay. Then, so you came to Japan, and how do you find work? How do you, because um, let people know what you do now. Like, basically, he's a farmer. You farm, like, yes. tell, like in a brief, like, you know, in a nutshell. But what, I, what I'm doing now, right here, is that I'm an indigo farmer. So I farm this particular plant that produces the indigo pigments. And what we do with it is that we ferment these leaves, and we make it into the ingredient for this natural dye. You only produce one color, which is indigo, but in a different. But, for, but you can produce different shades of indigo when you dye them. So other than being a farmer, on the times that I don't farm, uh, I dip things into the dye and make them blue. So what is your normal day like? Is it very well, vigorous? Mm. <clears throat> uh, it depends. It's, everything's very seasonal because the indigo plants are only farmed during spring and harvested in summer. In the autumn and the winter, we ferment the leaves. So other than making the dye ingredient, then on the usual days, we do dyeing products, like a service for other people or we make our own products. Okay, let's talk more about indigo since I, I'm sure most of us watching this don't know what that means, right? Like, before mm. I even like, spoke to you, I didn't even know it was a plant. Oh. So mm. embarrassing. Bimbo. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, so maybe you want to explain the process of like how the plant becomes a dye. 
So indigo, <clears throat> this um, pigment, the indicotine is found in the leaves of the indigo plants. We harvest the leaves. There are, there are two kinds. Uh, there are two methods of uh, extracting these pigments, but generally by alkaline extraction. So what people, what you usually find is, uh, say in Southeast Asia, um, places like Taiwan, even in Korea and China, no, India. Somebody, I'm they, really sorry, but my cat keeps scratching the back of me. <laughs> like, I just need to move, okay? But I, I really want to hear what you want to say. Okay, okay, don't worry. <laughs> please, 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 please. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> so, uh, there are two, generally two different kind of practices. One is in Southeast Asia, and you can see places like, find in like India and China, that they do, it covers the whole plant and they soak them in a bath. So the pigments will be extracted from there. So the entire plant is soaked in it. And then uh, it will rest after adding um, shell line to it. Like, um, just to increase the alkaline of the whole the water. And then that is when it will settle and react with the shell line. And then that is when it turns into this paste at the bottom of the big bed. And then they, they extract the paste and use them as a dye. So what in Japan is that because uh, they don't farm indigo plants throughout the year, uh, it's only, they only farm it during the hotter season, which is in spring and in summer. So what they use is the idea of fermentation to prolong the life of this dye ingredient. So what they do is, it's a little different. So instead of soaking the whole plant that they harvest into water, they separate the leaves from the stems. And these leaves are dried during the summer and stored one side. So once uh, all harvest uh, is done, and during fall and uh, winter, where they don't farm any longer, they bring out the dried leaves and they put water to it and they allow natural fermentation to happen. So these leaves will shrink in size and uh, the pigments will be left. So the concentration of the pigments will be higher. What are the kinds of things that you dye? Like, can you dye anything? So indigo dye was made uh, <laughs> for dyeing of cotton in the oh, past. Okay, okay. So in the past, the main fabric is made out of cotton. Mm. So natural fibers like cotton, linen, are the main things that we dye. Natural fibers or natural stuff like wood. Okay. Things that absorb the dye and keep the pigments. There are people who dye um, skull of an animal. But why though? Because it's popular. They just want to experiment with it. So they're going to try. And then uh, we, I have a dye like um, teeth of a pig that fell off uh, at a, from a farm nearby. Take a sip of wine. Take, dude, my cat, my cat is still on my, like, she came back and she's scratching my butt. How long have you yep. been here? Uh, this is my second year. I came here 2019. Do you, like, ever feel lonely? Uh, of course. So you told me your landlord's really nice to you 
and it's almost like family. Yeah. But definitely, it's difficult <clears throat> being like away from home. Yeah, uh, being away. Okay, I think my friends, uh, everyone never expect this from me, but I say that I miss home. I miss being back in Singapore. I miss the food. Uh, a lot of things. Uh, communi- communicating, like language barriers was one. I mean, I do speak Japanese, but I feel that it's very hard to connect to them and have a deep conversation because of like the command of Japanese I have. I can work with them, mm. but to be able to go into deep conversations like how I do back in Singapore with my friends, uh, it's a little difficult. So I feel that like I'm isolated in that sense. That, uh, but then I get a lot more time to myself. Mm. I have dwelt in this time and have a lot of time to process and think. Mm. And also understanding myself better. I'm just processing everything you just told me. So how do you cope? Hmm. How do you how do you deal with your loneliness when you are being so far away from home or you know like if you're super down and emergency hmm. happens and stuff like that? Like what do you do? Uh, there are days where I just let it be, and so you can picture yourself sitting in a very dark room and just sitting in a corner of the, this room, this void and have no one to talk to, no one to share your ideas with. Everything's oh, just in the head. You can message me. Yeah. Sometimes it gets a little negative. Mm. Mm. I must say, yeah, there are days where it is tough uh, to get out of whatever that's in your head. Mm. And there are days where I, maybe because of uh, coronavirus, people are staying at home. Mm. So, uh, I have a lot more time to uh, Zoom with my friends. So, they are, they became, Zoom became like a, a part of my life here, I guess. Mm. Mm. Being able to engage with people back at home, mm-hmm. being able to see, see my loved ones and talk to my loved ones. Mm. Mm. Like, have you ever regretted, like, your move there? Because obviously it's a big decision, right? You're leaving everything behind and just, like, going. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, I felt that, like, this be- this was an opportunity. It became an opportunity. I didn't expect it, but it became an opportunity for me to find out about myself. Yeah. Uh, I found out a lot of things that about myself that I didn't knew. Uh, in terms of how you will react to things. So obviously, because when you're working, it's yeah. such a hands-on, like, it's a laborious job. You don't have time to think, I'm mm. sure, right? I'm saying this because uh, yeah. I was, I actually, okay, so give a bit of background, right? Felix and I don't really know each other. Don't even know why we're doing this. So when I was really young, I actually moved away to live in Hong Kong for two years. And I also went to boarding school when I was 16. So like, I understand the whole boyhood from home thing. Like for me, I left because of emotional stress from my then situation. And I just went and I, like him, I think I picked up a language. I learned how to be alone a lot. And I mean, I guess you're still in a process, right? Like for me, 
I went through a process of learning how to be alone, learning how to be independent, learning a language, learning about a new city. But I was mostly alone, even though I had a lot of really good friends there. But I basically used it as a time to sort myself out because I've always been a depressive person before. It takes me a lot to get to where I am today. What's that sound? So, um, I understand where you're coming from, but my point of view was that like I used, I wanted it to be a good experience at the end. I didn't want it to be just like, okay, somewhere for me to run away from when I've issued, you know what I mean? So when I had moved back, I mean, you're still there, but when I had moved there after two years, for me, I learned, to me, I learned a new language, you know, I made new friends, I learned about new city, and I always consider Hong Kong my second home now. Um, yeah, but that's just like my own experience. I wrote this because I think I think I will bring it up here. I Aww, was, you uh, did homework, small, Felix! Small part of the thing that my friend shared to me. Okay, come. Uh, which I think, uh, it, it made a lot of sense after I am here. Mm. So she read this particular paragraph in the Finally, he finds himself at the top of the mountain, tired and weary. Loop after loop around the mountain is monotonous. He sits down on a rock and looks at the village from which he came. From there, he sees with clarity that the place from which he set out was actually the place he had been searching for the entire time. On his mission up the mountains, though he changed, he would never have known his time home, nor appreciated it, nor really chosen to live in it. Had he not taken the journey. So, do you feel like that's how mm. you're feeling right now? Ooh, like how you yeah, might feel I at the end? That now that I am detached from Singapore, I had a lot of time for myself, and uh, finally I'm looking forward to working towards bringing something I have found, something which uh, I love at home and share with everyone that's around me. Mm. I think that it's beautiful that you can see it that way as well. That, you know, at the end, you still think that, like, it's going to be positive and you're going to bring something back. I mean, obviously, yo, how many people get the chance to do what you're doing? But at the same time, how many people can just drop everything and go, right? Like, to me, I think what you're doing is amazing. Like, that's just for me. I'm not sucking up to you because I don't have to. Like, <laughs> but, like, I think what you did is amazing. Like, I think that to hone a craft is not easy. Um, to leave your family and friends is just go, it's not easy. To learn a new language in a foreign environment is not easy. So I, I really think that what you're doing is great. Yeah, I think it's not about the number of years that I stay here. It's about... I feel that I'm ready to go back. So mm. in terms of... Are you now? Are you now ready to come home? I'm... Um, I'm really in the sense that in my head, I, I sort things out of uh, how, in what ways I want to bring these new things back. Mm. But I'm not really in terms of like a craft. Mm -hmm. uh, in one year, you only get to do everything once. Mm. And you farm it, and then you harvest, and then you ferment the leaves. So obviously, if you're there, sorry. So if you've only been there for two years, yeah. you've only been able to do it twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but 
then I thought about it a lot, and then a craft is only the medium. Yeah. Uh, it's really more of the people who I met here in a small village. Um, the kind of uh, mm, how I say the kind of senses they have to the things that are around them. Mm. So when climate change, when environment change, or how they appreciate what they have with it around them mm. and use they make full use of what is around them and be proud of what they have. Like they tell me that like, oh, in summer and in autumn there are different shapes of clouds. Oh no way. Yeah, so they, That's so cool. So there are like different patterns of the clouds. Mm. And uh they are, they are so sensitive to these kind of things. And then like the weather, um wind coming from different directions. I mean okay so I, when they teach me or they, you know, when they share this kind of thing, yeah, I'm always very surprised by how ignorant I am to my environment, like the things around me. So, in conclusion, like, what would you, okay, would you, do you want to give some tips for people who are thinking about dropping it? I mean, obviously now this coronavirus is not easy as well, but mm. people who mm. are thinking of going to a total career change, do you have any advice or do you have any like personal tips? To me, mm, dropping everything is fine, but having no plans is planning to fail. Mm. Uh, you don't need to be very detailed in your plan, but you need to know a particular direction that you want to go towards. Mm. And set a goal, always check in with yourself. Mm. Uh, also allow yourself um, some space to change. Mm. So along the way, your goals change. Uh, along the way, you discover new things. Uh, the process is more important than results. Mm. It's easier to it's easier said than done. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. And we always uh, have to always keep pulling ourselves back to our center and our core of, of what we're, yeah. we're going after. Mm. I think you and I honestly we think quite similar. in the sense of purpose and all the stuff when it comes to life things. That's why we're crazy! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I think that's pretty good. I think we can end. We want to say goodbye. Bye! Bye! Annyeong!